Good morning, Blanchard Brothers. Last night, Jim Phelps and his entire IMF team were eliminated on a mission to apprehend Alexander Golitsyn after he stole the CIA's knocklist. It's come to our attention that the IMF may have a leak inside the department. Ethan Hunt, the team's point man, was the only survivor and is thought to be the mole we've been looking for. Hunt avoided capture after meeting with IMF Director Kittredge in Prague. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to track down Hunt, find out if he is indeed the mole, and recover the knocklist. If you or any member of your team should become captured or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Good luck. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Road to Reckoning. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers. We have accepted an impossible mission. We're going to watch all six Mission Impossible films before seven is released. Yes. Or as I like to refer to it, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. Again, the greatest title in the history of cinema. Yes. Uh, it will never be topped. It will never be topped. We're very excited. Uh, we've been waiting on this one for a while. It comes out in July, so we figured, why not Why not take a little trip Yeah. down the road to Reckoning? Exactly. There's six we, movies to why watch. Why don't we go back through these? we got six months in the lead up, so you're getting one of these a month. And uh, if you want to get them a little earlier, you can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the arc of E. Become a subscriber uh, and you can get these episodes a whole month early. Uh, we'll have some special guests. We'll be forming our own IMF team as we go along and we're going to be investigating uh, what's what's the best in the franchise, what are our favorite moments, our favorite team members, uh, favorite and, adversaries, favorite gadgets. And, and I want to answer the question, wh- Why? this franchise like why of all why the things, has it endured you what yeah because like okay obviously the first one hits when we're kids and yes. i feel like we had a weird like you know there was a game attached to it and like this is a vhs classic and yes. also yes an n64 yeah. classic i wanted to talk to you about the game yeah. at some point we'll get um, into that and it's just interesting that it was for what the first film was if there was a plan you know in place to do more how that all transpired what's there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with you know tom cruise as well as people who are coming in and out of directing different actors different you know all that so it's i a, just it's a fascinating franchise yeah it is it's because a, i would argue people probably at some point were like uh, ethan hunt james bond who do we like who's more realistic like what do we do here and you know i don't I, for what it has become to me I would be interested to look at as we get maybe post three, because there's obviously, you know, the greatest James Bond movie of all time, Goldeneye, predates, you know, the release of Mission Impossible. It's a bold statement. Um, it's, you know, come on. It brings everybody of, back of around. Of your time. Of My our time, time yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. As a child. Yeah. 
Yes, of our childhood. For us, the Blanchett brothers who are taking this mission. Yes, I feel like it's Goldeneye because it has a game and it like reinvent, invent, sort of reinvents and re-energizes this kind of stagnant Goldeneye's franchise. Goldeneye's 95? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it so kind the of year like, right before this. Right. Obviously, this was in production. Before, right. You know, it's not like a, it's not a chicken and the egg thing at exactly. all. Exactly. And if you want to get technical, Mission Impossible was a 60s TV show. Yes. Very much probably informed by the novels of Ian Fleming, possibly. Or like, you know. Oh, it's definitely. The counter, the yes. counter like, oh, James Bond's this debonair dude. Well, we have a team of these guys who get I, this stuff done. You know what I mean? I guess I do want to ask that before we get into what this film franchise has become. Have you ever watched any of the show? Negative. Okay. Never seen an episode. Um, presumably it's on Paramount Plus right now. Is that right? Maybe. Does that sound right? I'm going to look it up. You yeah. vamp. But I, mean, well, no, I know. I just, so Martin I Landau's in there. Peter Graves. Yes. You ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> I like movies about gladiators. Yeah. Um, I forgot. Yeah, I forget about him. So the show it's ran really from 66 to 73. Right. So that's successful. Yeah, Peter then. Graves, Barbara Bain, television. Greg Morris, Peter Lupus, Martin Landau, and Leonard Nimoy. Wow. Yeah. He was in another show, wasn't he? And I'm sure or did he ever find other, work after uh, that? Who? Leonard Nimoy. Did he find? Oh out? no, he, uh, he never worked. He again? tanked. He did release uh, that album uh, about Bilbo Baggins. Right. Yeah. Uh, I always confuse Leonard. Think, yeah, yeah, I think he kind of fuzzled. I confuse Leonard Nimoy with Leonard Cohen all the time. They look similar. <laughs> in my okay. Mind's Flip those careers. Let's, yep. uh, let's, let's see what see happens. happens um, um, but yeah, I've never seen an episode, so I don't know. But it's weird because, like, I feel like. Correct me if I'm wrong. This time, like 96, 97, do you feel like there's a mood to like, let's go back 30 years ago? This is, I mean. And see what we can do. Because Austin Powers comes around this time as well. I think this is the starting point also of the kitschy TV shows. The first wave of like, okay, let's turn these into movies. You have the, the Avengers, yes. the Mod Squad. Um, there's more. There's so many more. Why are we not thinking of this? Well, there's, yeah, no, I mean, there are they relevant now? That's my question. We don't no, remember. They're them. nothing. It was, uh, Wild Wild West. Yes. Uh, Austin Powers again, not a series or not, but like but in like Flint and like the, the other kinds. Yeah. Them. The comedic spy genre thing. So that kind of booms here, like towards the end. I think this is the, the start point of yeah. it in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no relation to the show. I don't even think I've seen a scene from it. No, probably not. Uh, obviously, the the theme song, I guess, is the only thing that's really retained, right? Right. Uh, and Jim Phelps, the character, that's Peter Graves in the series, right? So that carries over. But are any of the like the initial team that we meet in this movie are any of them in name like related? Other than Jim I just Phelps, wanted to look really quick because so. I I don't really. No. Yeah, I'm not seeing any names that that line up there. Oh, that's Sam, Sam Elliott was on Mission Impossible at some point. Maybe we need to. That should be we maybe should, in the maybe that might be a Patreon bonus episode where yeah. we, maybe we do a first and last uh, Mission Impossible. That could be that'd fun. be great. If yeah. they're all, it looks like they're all on Paramount Plus. It says mm. they have, yeah, it looks like they have all seven seasons. So yeah, we could check out the pilot and then episode yeah, one seventy seven. The only character from the original series to appear in the in the movie. Okay, which I we'll get into that, but that's why I guess I don't understand. I know Martin Landau was like really vocal about being so pissed at like well, how see, they treated the uh, legacy characters, and I'm like the one legacy character. Well, see, that's the just thing. that they made uh, him the villain. Spoiler alert! Yeah. Excuse me for Mission Impossible. Yeah, 
No, that's the thing. Notoriously, everybody associated with the original series was asked about it. Not a lot of them, either they didn't want to do it or they were just like, no, no thanks. Excuse me. No, what it was is the original the original idea was, was to, to have them, them in and be the team that is killed, killed off. Right. Spoiler they, alert. So they were like, no. In the opening of this movie. Okay. No, we're not, we're not down with that. I remember, I, vivid, I remember watching Martin Landau at, it's either like an MTV award show or something where they ask about it. He's like, well, I'm not really, I'm kind of done with the, that because I, they, I don't, it's nothing like the TV show we did. Why would I ever want to? be involved with that. He was, I just remember him being like, you're just like a mean old man, but like Landau. Yeah. Seems like really an asshole from everything I've ever heard about. Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. It's time to take a cruise down the career. We got to find a good name for this segment, but this is where we're going to talk about where Tom Cruise is in his life. We're going to take a career a, cruise, a career cruise. It was right there. I don't know. Thank you. That's what yeah. I'm here for. Yes. Let's talk about where he is at, both publicly, personally, etc. So at this moment. Let's wind it back to nineteen ninety two. Okay. Do you know what the big deal about nineteen ninety two is? Um Can you guess? It's a it's a duel in my mind, if we're talking in relation to Cruz. It's a great year on a personal front yeah, and a career front. Mm-hmm. And it is also when like the celebrity starts to maybe outweigh some of the flop. You have Far and Away, which yes. was a which was not well received and I believe kind of a colossal failure uh, box office wise. But he gets a wife out of it. Right. And then he also has one of the iconic cruise performances in A Few Good Men the same year. Right. So that's where I am, which is a massive hit, of course. Mm-hmm. And then follows it up with The Firm, yes. another huge hit. Uh, and then another another book adaptation, Interview with the Vampire in 94. Mm-hmm. So he's already, he has transitioned into leading man status, I would say, firmly, firmly with uh, the Born on the Fourth of July performance mm-hmm. in 89. I would say kind of solidifies him as like, oh, he's a real actor, actor. Right. He's not just a, not just strictly a movie star. But a few good men, it's like he's at the center of it. Incredible supporting cast, of course, and going toe to toe with like one of the greats with Nicholson, who was on the set every day for the courtroom scenes. Didn't say yes. you could do your lines to a double. I'm out. He sat there the entire time. And when asked why, he's like, because I, I love acting. Yes, I love the shit. Now yeah. see. The scene ends there, but, you know, she falls. But if I say, if I say something or do something different, we can do that. You gotta be a writer to be a good actor. Jesus, Jack. Pretty good. Jesus, she fell funny. Um, (laughs) Okay. So, but 92. Okay. Yes. Cruz Wagner Productions. That's when it kicks off. Is solidified. Solidified in writing. His agent, Paula Wagner. They filed the papers. Right. They become CW Cruz Wagner Productions. This is their first movie. Yes. They had never had produced anything else. This is the, this is like, okay, we start at 92 when well, my star is good. I get interviewed with the vampire after that. I do the firm after that. Well, what I was gonna am say, I going to I just now? wanted to point out the firm is like, that is, I'm on the poster. I'm, I'm the dude. I mean, he'd had days of thunder, which I can't remember. I think did fairly well. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying you think about like rain man, he's paired with, with Hoffman. Um, 
color money. He's paired with Newman. There's a lot of like, we're building him up to like, right. We want you to think of him in this echelon of actor, but I'm just saying the firm is one of those, again, like ridiculous supporting cast, but he is, he's on the poster. He's the guy and adapting a huge bestseller. And it's like, who are you going to cast? Well, the hottest movie star in the world right now. So he's flying high interview with the vampire. I feel like is a little bit of a, that's the first time people are like, maybe he was a bit miscast in this. Um, (laughs) But I don't think it dings him too much because the movie's overall like a pretty pretty big success. Because I think of that as like a Brad Pitt movie. Is that weird? I mean, he is the stat. He is you know, Cruz is the stat. He is like the. I need to revisit that yeah. movie. Um, I haven't seen it in probably about fifteen years, and I've only seen it once. But uh, I remember being underwhelmed by it, right? Uh, with all of the the hype around it. But okay, so yeah, first production. Mission Impossible. I'm wondering, I, I didn't find any of this in the research, but like, did he have a huge attachment to the series from the his series. childhood? Okay. He I wanted to do it simply, like I said, what we can get into later. You know, you got gadgets? Because like the gadgets in the show allegedly were the thing that he wanted to do. Like and that's Bond, the reason why he thought it would make it, because it was just cool. Also, again, at the time, Bond is in a bit of a fallow period, post-Dalton. Mm-hmm. They're right. just getting back on track with like, okay, we finally got the dude that we wanted, we to. wanted to have before, but now the timing's finally syncing up and it hits. I feel like GoldenEye is like, does really solid, but it's Tomorrow Never Dies where it really like, it's like, okay, he's, we like this guy, right. essentially. We'll, we'll let him do more than one. But yeah, I feel like it's a good move in that Bond fallow period to be like, okay, what if, what if American James Bond, but... Again, I don't think that's the thinking at the time. I think he morphs into being more competitive as a Bond alternative right. as the series moves on. But very pointedly, who does he pick to direct Diploma. this movie? Who does he and hand here's, pick? Here, here's the yes. thing that we're, we're forgetting that I may have misspoke about earlier. Um, Golden Eye is in between the two that Cruz has in this year. No, this is, no, I'm sorry, 95. It's a year before. My bad. I thought it said 96. You're right, 95. So it's not that big a deal. It's not the biggest stretch. Originally, it's literally the it's the late it's November ninety five. So you have the success in the end of the year coming into ninety six. They're in production more likely whenever this is Goldeneye drops. So they know like, okay, um James Bond is back. You know, I'm sure there's things all over Hollywood, there's tons of stuff being talked about it, but it's like, yeah, James Bond, it's back, it's the thing now. And maybe it was to the point they were trying to maybe catch that groove of like, look, there isn't a big secret agent like 007 type out now. Let's go ahead and try and get this get this greenlit and get it going. Again, Paramount had had the rights to the original show for years. Well, I think that's what ends up being really interesting about what this movie morphs into. Because the story always goes handpicked De Palma. But I, in my research, originally... He wanted Sidney Pollack. Yes. Which makes sense, again, for what this movie is conceived as, which is kind of a 70s paranoid thriller, which you kind of forget until you go back and watch it because of what these movies have become. So Sidney Pollack makes a lot of sense, of course, but ultimately he goes with De Palma, who's, I mean, he's coming off, what, Untouchables? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So presumably the studio is like, yeah, absolutely, this guy. And we're pretty, I mean, 
think it's safe to say we're both pretty big De Palma fans. I would agree. Independently of this yeah. franchise, uh, we've covered Scarface on a 2 by 2 retro review. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any other ones have come up. We talk about Carrie a lot. One, um, one of my favorite directors, but also somebody I am still in the process of catching up on everything because he has a pretty substantial career. And yeah, there's still several blind spots for me. A lot of them in the 80s, actually. But anyways, so... That was my biggest thing coming back for this rewatch. Um, this feels like a De Palma movie more than it feels like a Mission Impossible movie. Right. Or what you think of as a Mission Impossible movie now. Mm-hmm. And to that point, one of my kind of overall thoughts was, I would like for, I don't know if there's a way to ever go back now, but I would love it if somewhere in the midst of part one and part two of Dead Reckoning, because we know this is kind of the bookend of the Ethan Hunt story. Whether the franchise continues on, we don't know, but that's going to be it for Tom Cruise as this character in 2024. Everything's done. Right. I would like to see what several movies have kind of trended towards, these legacy sequels, and uh, just, like I, this has been in my head a lot with a lot of different projects I've been watching, but people who are kind of encompassing their entire careers within a story. I talked about it a little bit with Avatar The Way of Water. It's kind of every James Cameron movie rolled into one. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the degree that like Top Gun is a meta commentary on like Tom Cruise, the movie star, in what? addition to this character of Pete Maverick. I would like to see Dead Reckoning Part 1 and 2 maybe reflect a little bit of the history of the franchise in and of itself. And to that point, do you think there's a way for us to ever get back to this, what I think is like truly well done paranoid thriller territory? Because I think that's something that like has been completely absent of any of the, the sequels essentially. But do you think there's a way to get back to like a ground level spy craft, you know, moodier is that something you would want do you think there's a way to bring that in i only say that because of course we've seen we've seen kittredge in the trailer and so part of me is like well if we're circling back to include characters from one are we going to bring a little bit of the de palma touch to it either stylistically or tonally i'm curious i'm curious because we will go ahead and say it up top here this is the only movie where ethan hunt does not fire does a not gun. fire a weapon at all. It's very... And in fact, this is the only movie where he is not... On, well, he takes a mission, but it's not him. He's just a team guy. He's not even... It's essentially... He's just a team Check guy. this out. He's dealing with the fallout of this mission going wrong. Right. You could have called this movie Mission Impossible. And allegedly... Fallout. Allegedly... You could call them all Mission Impossible Fallout. Right. And... Apparently, hot take. what I read was that there is more in the dialogue. You're you're supposed to get a little hint of it at the very beginning, where Ethan is making fun of Claire's coffee. Yes, that's like a metaphor for like, yeah, Jim, you weren't around, and like me and Claire, there was like a tension build up thing. Okay, this you whole know? okay. Before we get into, because we were about we we were talking to Palma, and yeah. we obviously we got to get into some of the. The psychosexual nature of this yes. movie, which I did not pick up on at all as a child. 
no. uh, completely flew over my head. Before we do that, do you want to go? Should we lay out some plot time? Yes. We're not going to go beat by beat, but then we'll get into the categories. But yes, mm-hmm. please let everybody know what okay. happens in this so, this lovely, lovely film right. that I, spoiler alert, this movie fucking rules, dude. Yes. Go ahead. Um, so we get the the theme that like basically runs through most spy movies. It seems like nowadays is there's always something else that was going on beforehand that you don't know everything about, but you see the end of. So we get the whole like, you know, they're talking cold the, open. The cold open. There's a woman dead. You don't know what's going on, and of course. You got Emilio Estabes out the gate. You're like, what is Emilio doing here? He's on the computer. And you're like, who's this gross-looking dude with a mustache, and why does he vaguely look like Tom Cruise? Right. What's going on? And, um, you know, It's a very boom. stark way to open right. this. Again, if you're... <laughs> now, see, my thing is, if you're a fan, if you love Mission Impossible, you know what it is? Seeing the face mask come off and seeing, like, the thing go down, you're like, of course, that's... Uh, it, I'm back in the show. And so, straight from that, we get, you know... The, the theme lighting the fuse and we get the shots like my, which is one a, of my favorite trademark of like runners through the whole here's what franchise. you're gonna see and i think Bit, that's that's one of the things preserved from the show right right they would show you bits of the episode. little bits and pieces of the episode you're about to watch and again that was sort of as this evolved kind of what they've said is like they want the thing to be is like each movie is just like another episode you're gonna see a little bit beforehand and you're gonna get into it and figure it out so we get into it and we realize that we got John Voight, great actor. Um, he, <laughs> okay. Great, one of the greats. If not, he gave us... Great a, human being as well. Uh, uh, really maybe, fond of his politics. Yes, uh, uh, really great. Really, yeah. He really stands, he stands for what I believe He in. stands <laughs> where all we, we all should stand on everything. Um, you know, just I think this and Anaconda, two great performances. But Probably yes. the best he's ever done. Um, but yes, art and artist, great actor. Yeah, great actor. Unequivocally. Yeah, Go but, ahead. Um, so... He decides he he's informed that his mission, should he choose to accept it, is to stop this guy from stealing the CIA's knocklist. What is the knocklist? The knocklist contains the actual names of all these secret agents and their code name, who they really are. But only in Eastern Europe. Only in Eastern Europe. Okay. Nowhere else. I just want to be there's like specific. a there's like a Europe list, there's an Asia list, there's an American list, because we all know the CIA. I just kind of like that people. it's localized. It's right. Like, this is not. I I love the stakes of this one. Yeah. Yes. This is like, it's not the world's ending. But the world is ending for our spies if this list gets out in the open. Right. Continue. You know? So he, they've already assembled a team for him, basically. You get the idea. He's worked with these people before. Right. Their mission ensues, and it all goes to hell. Yeah. Every member, except for, as stated, the point man, Ethan Hunt, is killed, including Phelps himself. My team is dead! They're all dead! So... After that, he's reporting in and realizes, wait a minute, there's an IMF director in Prague right now. What? Um, and it basically turns out that they think that Ethan Hunt is responsible for all of this. They've been looking for a mole inside the IMF, and he's it, baby. And basically, the rest of the movie so is the him. Thing was a mole hunt. Yeah. The rest of the movie is him trying to get what get what he needs in order to get the buyer who wants the stock list to get to Job, the mole. And he's got to do some crazy stuff to get it. And he enlists the help of some other people, which we'll get into in a minute. And ultimately 
you know, it all converges on a train a la Murder on the Orient Express kind of thing. And, you know, we'll get there. But, yeah, it's a big mole hunt. This movie is a mole hunt. Yes. Who's the mole? You know. Got to find that mole. Yeah. That's it? That's pretty much it for the plot, yeah. Yes. And Which everybody it, makes to be so... Like, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand it. What could you not understand? I, I don't... Think, that's what well, I'm wondering. Again, I think that's part of what I like about this movie is it's not very handholdy. Right. And it presents a lot of things that, again, it's all, it's the, the elegance of the De Palma filmmaking where yeah. it's like, you're sitting there, especially in the, that opening scene. Well, again, we'll get, should we, should we go set pieces? Where, can, where do you yeah. want to go? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk them through real quick. Cause we got kind of our main ones. Okay. Um, our three big contenders. Yeah. Our opening one, the, uh, the Galitzin job that all goes wrong. Right. To the point of De Palma. Okay. We see that whole scene play out. From and if you're if you're watching, if you've seen it a couple times, you are kind of like, that background extra, like, why'd they pick this take? Right. Like, this is weird. That person sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, what's that? I don't know. This is kind of odd. And then when you get down to the beach side, you're like, wait a minute. What are those two? Those two are just randomly here? Yeah. Nobody else is out here. And what it's like, hell? he presents all of that to you. Straight. Very straightforward. And then it's only when we go back and like you see what Ethan was clocking the whole time in the scene with Kittredge where you're like, oh, oh. And to me, that's the first indicator of like, just just pay attention. I can see your, again, I'm trying to think of like what were the popular action entertainments of like right in this this era. But that's what I like about this one is it is more cerebral. Again, it's more reaching back to those 70s paranoid thrillers and you have the setup of like he's he's a man without a country. He's been he's been disavowed. He's got to figure out what the hell went on. You have Claire still alive, mm-hmm. but other than that, you don't you have no idea. You to me, this is like the only time in the franchise that you truly see him under the gun or truly like scared on it. I mean, he's on his heels in like five and six to a degree. Mm-hmm. But and they're always like, kind of racing the, against the clock. But, but he's all, the Jim Phelps in that position. He's just right. like, I think that doesn't give enough to like, if you're watching this, having watched any of the other ones or what he becomes in these other ones, he's just, for all intents and purposes, a good farm boy who wants to serve his country, who either went through some kind of CIA training, whatever kind of training. We don't, we aren't told. He has no real, no backstory, which I love. And then he's on this 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 team. What is this team? This is an IMF team. What's the IMF? Well, the you, Impossible Mission Force. You don't know that till three, though. You don't figure it out till <laughs> three. You just see IMF, and you're like, wait, IMF? What is? Yeah. If you're, but if you're in a Mission Impossible fan of the show, you already know a lot of this coming in. Yes. Their whole thing is like, he says it in, in one of the our, our another set piece we can get to is no body count. There's no need for these people to die. Anybody to die. And so we're going to, we're going to do this thing that could be complete. No one could ever think of doing, we're going to do it and we're going to do it without them even knowing it. By the time they figure out what's going on, we're in the wind. We're out. We're gone. We're ghosts. We can, we can put any face on. We want to, we can have any accent we want to. And that's predicated in this first mission where Tom Cruise is essentially walking around (laughs) with a Ross Perot slash like, (laughs) I don't know what face on pretending to be the Senator. And I'm thinking, how does this work now? And you're like, well, it's pre-internet. It's pre-social media. 
if he's at this event as a senator, but the real senator is fly fishing somewhere in, in Wyoming. So it's the perfect cover. No one's going to be able to know that it's not him. You know yeah. what I mean? It's some of these things that only work now. There's, there's not, there's, there's cell phones are very ancient in this movie. I love looking at them, how they work in this yeah. movie. It's also, it's before they fully lean into the mass, the face maker mm-hmm. of it all, which they really start hitting hard in two. Right. And then I think they get more creative with in the later ones. Right. But this is still like, we need to visually connect Tom Cruise under makeup for right. you to buy this sort this, of thing. This so is they the have only the one setup with practical of like, makeup. Oh, he happens to like vaguely, this senator already happens to vaguely look like an older Tom Cruise, essentially. So I love that they. They eventually get past that, but I understand the like mm-hmm. the visual storytelling for the audience. So I love the we I have love the, the bit though where he's like Cruz acting on TV. We are living in a democracy. The <laughs> last, last time, time I checked, checked. yes. <laughs> and then like yeah, when yeah. else have you ever gotten to hear that that voice come out of that? To band? me, this is all just build up to Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. That's just all this he's is like just pile. But on again. Me. If yeah. you read it, he loved it. He's like, I, I was felt like I was a 10-year-old with all the gadgets and what would just be cool to watch on screen. And so, that, again, that's why you have the gadgets like you do Well, and the fa- to get to this. It's yes. something they, The face you know. maker is a uniquely Mission Impossible thing that you're right. just like, as soon as you see it the one time, you're like, that's just fucking cool. And then you start daydreaming about like all the different ways they could put that into use. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have the opening set piece, you know, everything – Starts to go wrong. Our first kind of tip off is the elevator malfunctioning, and poor Emilio Estevez, who us as kids were just like Gordon, no, Mr. Bombay, no, in your face, well, ow. Ouch. Well, me, I was like, hey, hey, <laughs> oh yeah, you're a huge Young Guns guy, dude. I will ride and die for Young Guns and Old Henry. Now, they're all they're, they're all the same as far as I'm concerned. Do we need to have a Billy the Kid month where we do Every Young Guns Billy. one and two, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, and end it with Old Henry? If only if we're going to talk about the the kid with the one with uh, Chris Pratt's in it. Maybe it needs to be hunt. like two months. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Things start falling apart. Him and Kristen Scott Thomas, they have the, again, the start of the like weird sexual. Well, it kind of starts in the first scene with the look between Claire and Ethan. Like mm-hmm. after they get the dude out, like did we get him and everything? You're kind of already like, what's going on between these two? Right. And then when they introduce like. Wait, she's fucking John Voight? Like, what? That's his wife? <laughs> you're what like, the fuck? You're also like, how is this allowed? Well, also, yeah, you're what, like, you're like, you're allowed agency, to just like, are you allowed to like your wife and you are on the same? Like, do they, uh, conflict of interest at best, but yeah. like, imagine what could happen. Well, that's wink, what, wink. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. We have different rules in the IMF. Right. We fuck who we want. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but yeah, you have the moment with Chris and Scott Thomas where they get out and like everything seems like it's going good so far. They're keeping good and like they, you're like, oh, they might have a little like genuine chemistry. Like how much of this is acting? How much mm-hmm. of this is not? And then, like I said, Jack gets the elevator to the face. Uh, it was Hannah gets blown up in the car. I forget the order that everything happens. Yeah, so but he's as soon as they get outside, Jim is like. I'm coming to you. I I got. I'm coming to you. Stay put. A, and he's like, I got a tail. Like so, they following. get they get outside. And he says, I got a tail. I said, Can you lose him? And he says, Yeah. He basically turns to Sarah and she said, He called abort. We need to walk away. And he's like, No, we stay on the mission because the you list sh- 
is in, in the, the open. open. You shadow Golixen, you stay with him. I'm going to Jim. Runs by Hannah. As he's getting there, he hears Phelps over the radio on his little wristwatch and sees that someone has shot him. He's bleeding and he falls over the bridge. Yes. By the time he gets a chance to run back, Hannah's car, Hannah and presumably Claire, Claire are both in the car. Yes. And it blows up. So those two are dead. And by the time he gets back to the beach where he was, Sarah and Golitsyn are standing there, but Sarah's been stabbed. And at that point, again, to your your point of the filmmaking, you see the two drunk Russian couple that they're on the beach. You see one of them tap and hold their ear and you're like, yes. the fuck? But you don't think about it the first time you watch it. And that proceeds us to the telephone booth where he calls and says, like, you know, my team is dead. They're all dead. And basically, Kittred says, like, meet me in this place in one hour. And he's like, wait a minute. You're in Prague yeah, right now? Yeah, what are you doing? One hour. hour. And that's it. Okay. I'm going to sub this one in there because I don't think technically it would count in the grand scheme of things. I think there's three in this movie. But I'm going to sub in one more set piece. Yeah. Which is the restaurant showdown yes. between Ethan and Kittredge, which yeah. I think has some of the best dialogue of the whole movie. We should mention this movie written or co-written by Robert Town. Yes. Uh, writer of Chinatown, if I'm not mistaken, yes. among many others. And who else is credited on is here? Is Coep? David Coep yeah. Cap comes in and, uh, yeah, I think is more of the the plot guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Town is the probably the dialogue man and then steve zalian also worked on this so you have like three dead ringer screenwriters and i think this one is one of the best scripts in the entire franchise like top to bottom and which kind of blew my mind and i want to look into more detail when we get to two but robert town has solo writing credit on that movie which i think is uh terribly written and conceived yeah. movie. So I'm wondering if he, that's one of those, like he just got his name on it, but there's a bunch of other cooks in the kitchen. I don't Possibly. know. But anyways, the showdown between him and Kittredge is amazing. The low angle that De Palma goes with the oh, cross cutting yeah. between them, mm-hmm. where it's basically like you're, you're laid out on the table between them looking up incredible camera work, incredible tension. And yeah, Ethan's basically just like, what was the other team doing there? And he like points out all the people we um, get the, the cutbacks. I don't follow you. <laughs> yeah. well, see if you can follow me, me around, around the room. <laughs> the waiter standing over Hannah, 12 o'clock. <laughs> the drunk Russians on the beach, 3 o'clock. The other team, the IMF team. What were they doing there? <laughs> it's great. And we should mention the great Henry Zerny. Yes. Uh, just crushing, crushing his Kittredge. Uh, love this character. Uh, Number one contender for my favorite adversary of this movie. We'll get back to that category right. in a moment. Anyways, scene escalates. He basically reveals like, well, you're the only one who survived. So obviously I think you're the mole. He mentions Max mm-hmm. and job we, 314. He, he said he, he intercepted a transmission from a, a buyer named Max. An arms dealer. To Job 316. For Job Job 316. 316. And Ethan's got to do a little homework right. before you. And, they say, and this is my thing. He says Galitzin was one of theirs. Yes. So he was IMF or he was CIA? That's my question. Is it Kittredge cool? is CIA, correct? Kittredge is listed as the IMF director at Excuse this point. Excuse me, no. I didn't so, realize that the first time I watched it, but he's listed as like the guy in charge of the IMF at this point. So yeah, no, I took that, and it's like he has an IMF team there as mm-hmm. a secondary squad, essentially. So yeah, I took it as 
Golitsyn was also part of the IMF. Yes, and again, it was all theater. Everything mm-hmm. was. This yes. whole thing was showed just to catch this IMF team in the act because they were like this IMF team. They're going after the list, you know. Whoever and my thing is like, okay, if you give this to Jim Phelps and he takes it, why all of a sudden is your suspicion not just automatically on him? And why aren't you watching him? You obviously have people watching every other person on the mission, but you as the IMF director, no one's watching Phelps. And oh, he's dead mysteriously. Like I, I get it, but at the same time, it's like that ought to be your first clue that like maybe something wasn't exactly hundred percent right about this op you were on. Like, as a viewer watching it. Well, again, I think this is where some people are like, wait, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And I do think it's one of those, it's, it is kind of like tied into so many knots that it's like, yeah, if you start trying to pull out it, it's not necessarily all going to hold together. But I do think it's more legible if you've seen it a time or two. I do think it's, it is a little overwhelming probably the Mm -hmm. first, first time you go through. Um, And to that point, it also, which I love does use a lot of like quick snappy like some jargon and stuff where it's like you may not it's one of those movies where you just got to trust that the people talking know what the hell they're talking about because you're not necessarily going to know what a fucking knock list is even when they explain Mm -hmm. it to you so back and forth with him and cerny they're oh my god i don't want to blow the line what is it i'm going to shake hands with double that's fine i just want to make sure that you do it in hell and then the red light green light gum which was set up by Emilio Estevez and his only, I mean, he gets, they get the little interplay where he's fucking up earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I recall a Jack, a rather lazy fellow. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting be, too much sauce on it. Excuse me. Memory um, serves correctly. <clears throat> we had to drag him behind one of my finest thoroughbreds. <laughs> yeah. Easy I, foghorn like I'm think working I, on it. Yes. I told, <laughs> I told you off mic, but I was like, all of that interplay, like I, as a child, I didn't know I didn't get any of that. Like really? I didn't get that he was that there was this whole tension of like you got to get the the files up, through yeah. something that is a a hallmark of the series at this point mm-hmm. of always the tech guy last second has to get them something right. they have to hit something before they can go through a scanner or this or that right. or whatever. It's like it's one of the most reliable gags in all of these. And yet the first time I saw it as a kid, I was like, I didn't understand that he was talking to me. I didn't know what was going on. Right. I didn't get it. I also didn't get this. Like I said, the sexual tension between him and Kristen Scott Thomas. And then whatever the fuck is going on between him and Claire. We'll get to that in a second. So he does the gum. Asa lasagna. Don't get any on you. Blows up the aquarium. Runs out of the front. First time we really get to see him run mm-hmm. this movie, which is great. It's up there. Yeah, no. But I think there's a clear winner. It's the Langley heist. Yeah. It's got to be. It's iconic. Yeah. I, more so than the, the ending on the train. Yeah. You know. But I will say, I was surprised how well the final set piece held up. It, yeah. Okay. The Langley heist. So, from... Let's from, talk about from where leave, we're at in the plot. From leaving, from leaving there, he does discover that, like, Max Job email. And again, Play, uh, it's... Was, sorry, go ahead. No, it's on the computer at your hideout safe house that Jim Phelps was using before he left. Where do you not like, how do you not go immediately to like Phelps? But we'll get to that. So they agreed to me. Look at the front of the Bible. He didn't. 
He had to wait a couple days to do that. Drake Hotel, Washington. Chicago. Chicago. Sorry. Yeah, Chicago. Chicago. Why did I say Washington? Drake Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Off on one of your cushy recruiting assignments. (laughs) Chauffeured cars, fancy. Yeah. That's the other thing I think I appreciate about, like, the opening. When he basically lays it all out, like, he, like, Phelps gives them the entire plan. Is that, like, you, to me, you really feel like that's, to me, the closest you're going to get to, like, the original show. They're all yeah. there. They're talking. They're going back and forth, bantering, all that kind of stuff. I liked that aspect of it. I could appreciate that because it did make me feel when these characters started popping off left and right, I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. And then you, But then you realize, like, Hannah has, like, two words of dialogue yeah. that she says. And you're like, well, damn. All right. So he he figures out Max, the buyer, and basically says, like, oh, by the way, that shit you got? The knockless, whatever, whatever, that's a fake. It ain't real. It's designed to like when you boot it up, they gonna know where you at, player. Like, what are you doing? So Can you imagine if he started talking to Vanessa Redgrave? Like that? so hilarious. <laughs> so they meet. No, instead he just looks like wide eyed at her, like, I can't believe I'm in a scene with you. Right. It is one of the or few I mean, this happens every once in a while in his career, but when you see him paired up with somebody where I'm like Oh, he like didn't know how to behave in this moment, right? But he is so wide-eyed in their whole, all their scenes together. Go ahead. The, again, but that's a weird sexual tension with her as well. Like she would be just as happy to like you boys can leave and I can fuck Tom Cruise right now, right? And Max, he's kind of like, yeah, yeah. And he's kind of like, I think I want to, I think I want to have sex with this arms dealer. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Max, see yeah. that was my doubt. <clears throat> see, that's weird because one of her henchmen, I swear to God, was the same dude. That shows up in Ghost Protocol. When he goes to meet his, the Russian dude he helped break out of prison, I could have swore the long blonde haired dude was the same guy from the first one. You're 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 smushing because we watched them very close together. Have you gone through all of them? Yeah, back to back okay. to back. You're, it's two that you're thinking of. No, 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 no. When he goes But you know that that happens in two. It's the same dude. The long blonde haired guy? Yeah. Yeah, that's two. But no, there's another... I'm, yeah, I'm not thinking two. I'm thinking four... But you do know that he shows back up in two. He does? We'll get to it. Okay. I'm saying you're conflating that with four. That okay, does not well, happen in four. Okay. Maybe I am. I just didn't recognize two, and I just thought but four. But because... that henchman does pop back up, and you're like, oh, Max. But of course, I think Vanessa Redgrave may have passed away at that point, or they just didn't know how to fit her in. Right. But anyway... Or no, or maybe she's off on assignment or doing something because we'll get to that yeah. one when we get so to anyway it. they he basically says look if you give me this much money and you confirm to me that job will be at the meeting when when i give you this this i'll go get the real knockless for you i'll get into langley and i'll get it okay go for it so he has he gonna do that he has to assemble his team again where does he go he goes to other disavowed imf agents to get his guy he calls in luther stickle and he's a computer genius, you know. The Net Ranger. Yes. There's no proof that I had anything to actually do with that. That exquisite piece of work. <laughs> Whatever he says. Ving Rhames enters this Fucking franchise. Kid, yes. Uh, never to leave. We get him in all but one. He's not. He's not in four that much. He's in it though. At the very end, yeah. But I'm saying Ving is in every, every movie. single yeah, yeah. movie. He's one mm-hmm. of the mainstays. Yeah. Yes. I mean, right out of the gate, I'm sorry. We don't have to debate this one. Best team member of the movie. Right. Clearly Luther. Yeah. Stays true to Ethan. They set up a bond, a friendship that's going to last for 
six plus movies. Yeah. Um, One or two marriages. He does the, yeah. He does the very low key. Like, I love that it's not like, oh, now we're going to have Ving like have an action set piece. It's like, no, nah, his big thing in the climax, I'm going to jam that computer because I'm a hacker. That's like, that's what I do. Yeah. And it's literally just, and see, it, he jams honestly, the transfer new, of the knock list. Yeah, new that's shit. his big moment. But again, the whole thing after they, spoiler alert, after they go to Langley and get the thing is he, in, that's when you're like, Oh, he, they have a connection here because he entrusted to Luther. He's like, right. don't well, see, let this thing out of your sight. And see, this is the, this is the yeah. thing I didn't pick up on until this viewing. Mind you, I've seen this movie like 20 times. I did not realize until this watching, watching it under this uh, guys that Luther himself had just been disavowed. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he pulled from that because Claire brings in Krieger. Right. My favorite. Jean Renault. I mean, can you not, could you do any better for like a fucking perfect French bad guy? Yeah. I mean, you've already got the professional that's either going to come out or has already come out. I can't remember it's what it is. 96 as well, I yeah. think. You know, it's Leon. I in, yeah, I don't know when it drops, yeah. but yeah. But then you turn around three years later and you have him in the best performance he's ever given in Ronan. He's oh, just God, the fucking so dude in Ronan, which I don't know if we've talked about. We need to talk about that movie. We've definitely talked about it, but we haven't done an episode. We need to do. Yeah. It'd be great. That'd be a great two by two. Um, or Renault Reloaded. Sorry. Um, think about it. You got the big the blue. Renault Rewind. God, yeah. Sorry. Rewinding Renault. There you go. Bam. Um, yeah. So that's who Claire picks. And at the time, you're like, you know, because after the whole, after they, they get in and they steal it, um, she's like, my bad. He was my call. And I never picked up on that until this time, too. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. He was her call. So he wasn't disavowed either interesting so and but it does start another trend i think we see through the rest of it is they i'm gonna tell you what's going on while we see it going on us doing it oh it's the best and then we'll smash cut into us doing it and i'll stop talking you know i mean that's the that's the genius of these movies is it becomes just a series of amazing setups and payoffs where it's like we're going to tell you how this thing is supposed to go down. How we're gonna impossible ex- it we're is. We're going to explain it to you super clearly. We may yada yada some things, but like we're going to lay it all out for you so that then when we're in the moment and progressively through the series, you see, I mean, the magic of these movies is we've got the plan. We have the way to execute the impossible mission. And then while we're in the midst of it, a bunch of shit's going to go wrong and we're going to we're gonna have to improvise right that's like that's the best bits of all of these movies is like wait oh my god this was not supposed to go this way right and then the invention in the moment that's that's what keeps us hooked that's why Mm -hmm. we keep coming back that's why there are gonna be eight of these right okay the langley heist yes william donlow uh who's having a rough day throwing up probably shitting his brains out they're kind of polite about not showing that but i, I always like to assume that it's coming out of both ends yeah. i don't know i just remember her squirting using the pen to mm-hmm. like squirt that into his coffee and just like i was like is that just like eye drops or something like probably. is it that simple it's not like some special imf solution it's like no it's just eye drops yeah. I, just, I just filled up a squirter full uh but yeah the cut in of like they're setting up how to do it they go in as you mentioned renault immediately is like Oh, this guy spotted us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ice him with this knife—a knife that uh, 
Again, he shows it to you plain as day in that scene. There's a giant shot of it when when Cruz stops him and slams it up against the wall. Zero body count. We'll see. Yeah. But we see, I mean, we've the knife seen that is knife so, before. The knife is so prominent, but again, you don't realize you don't that, wait a connect minute, it in your head until they show it to you. When he's on the beach and he's the, like, oh, oh, and he's got the knife in his hand, I'm like, oh, you idiot. That's your DNA. Like, you, they got you now, bitch. Exactly. That's your fingerprints. Yeah. But like, you don't, it, you, your mind is not keying on the fact that, wait a minute, that's the same looking knife. What mm-hmm. the fuck? Exactly. How many just, knives you know are the exact same? That same cut and everything. Yeah. Yes. You know, the weighted thick plat, like handle and versus then, the, yeah. And then once again, we're going to, Hammer it home even further because after the, I mean, it's it's a masterclass intention. Oh yeah, that whole sequence, that the pace of it, the editing, everything, and then it's like, I, I don't, it's, I don't know, dude. It's just like classic De Palma or classic Hitchcock or whatever you want to call it. But like, when everything is at its like zenith, and then you introduce the rat mm-hmm. into the vent, you're just like, no, oh my god, what's gonna happen? Uh, all that stuff plays up, right? But of course. He gets the list. He does the impossible mission. But as he's pulling him out and the knife falls, even in that moment, this like prominent kind of rough CG shot of it. But it's so cool that you kind of forgive it. Mm-hmm. But like even with the knife there, you're like, it, it didn't register for me. No. Like I still I forgot that element until it was revealed. Um, right. In the coming montage. So they get the list. They pull off the impossible. Again. I think we're both saying Langley job. Yeah, it's got to be the the most impossible yeah. mission. The, best the only one of the, the only big snafu that I don't I think it's just a problem is the fact that when they leave, they take Claire out of there in her office attire. But when they're driving back, Claire is in fireman's gear. That's the only like continuity problem I have. I don't even know if I. Yeah, that's the only. I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't even know she changed line. back into her fireman's outfit to leave, but they were walking her out of. And the thing too is like, there's three firemen leaving the building. Like, what the fuck? Why are you? There's two of them leaving the building right now. What are you like? What kind right. of fire is this? Because we do have the inner cut of like. Kittredge is going through like, okay, let's th- let's get into Hunt's life. Let's figure out what we can do to flush him out. What kind of guy is he? As they're because he's like Barnes, what the hell is this? He's like, oh, it's a fire alarm. Well, do we have to leave? We'll look into it. It's like, what? Yeah. And I do like that. Like, oh my! The first thing Krieger says is Langley. Why don't we go by Fort Knox? You know, I could fly a helicopter down <laughs> into it. It's like, no, nah, man, no, nah, we're doing this. Um, right after the Langley heist, we get another. I mean, it's maybe my favorite Kittredge bit of the whole movie, but. Where it just William Donlow's in the background, and they're basically like, "What are we gonna do with this guy that like fucked up and let his security clear?" I want him. I want him. He's like checking baggage, claiming Alaska by the end of the day. Make sure you mail him his clothes. (laughs) It's so good, dude. It's so good. I love it. Um, yeah, and his his back and forth with Barnes is uh, constantly entertaining as well. So after that, we get the the nice little sleight of hand actual sleight of hand from tom cruise yes. uh scene which again just on the list of things that played even better for me as an adult now watching it all, all of the the stuff where it was kind of like oh i'm getting a little sleepy as a kid where it's just like oh the adults are talking like nothing action oriented is mm-hmm. happening basically everything that happens in the safe house right um that i was like so bored by as a kid i'm like this is like the best shit in the movie, dude. This yeah. stuff's so good. Um, but yeah, that's the scene where he basically fakes out uh, Krieger. Right. Who actually did have the list and was going to like bail with it. 
um, but manipulates him back. And presumably Claire is watching all of this go down, knowing what she knows. Yeah. Yes. So, because that's when she tells him, like, I'm sorry about him. He was my call. You know, I should have known better to bring him in. Still playing that card of like, you know, I'm on your side, Ethan. I, I'm sorry. This, this, I shouldn't have, like, we shouldn't have trusted this guy. That's my bad. And Ethan being like, well, no, yeah, he had the list the whole time. I was just fucking with him. Like, you know, what's, what's the big deal? You know, like, I, yeah, I, I got it. And of course, him giving it to Luther being like, you know, I'm giving this to you. Because I know you, you're disavowed, but you did your job, and I I can count on you, regardless. I'm not gonna have to. I mean, do you, do you know how long Jack had me waiting to get my thumbprint done? You would have had that done in no time if you were part of the team, Luther. <laughs> right. You know. Um, but yeah, he's like one simple thing: don't let like tomorrow, don't let this get out in the open. He's right. Like, don't let this disc get out in the open. Yeah. So we move into our final set piece, which I just wanted to. I'm like again, Langley takes it, but. The train set piece actually held up way better for me mm-hmm. than I thought it was going to because I knew in my head I was like, there's a lot of CG. This is a lot of that mid-90s CG. But at the same but, time, all of it was shot in a, in a, a giant wind tunnel. Wind tunnel for like uh, skydiving against blue screen. So I think I it's composited very well. better than I remembered it right. probably. And also, again, this was a VHS classic for us most of the time. Little known fact. I've seen this movie was on VHS. Little known fact. This is the last movie to come that, out on Betamax. That Betamax ever put out. It is also the first film to ever be released on 3,000 screens. Now that's a low number. But it's the first yeah. movie in history to ever be released on 3,000 screens in a theater. Well, and I wanted to ask you about that before. Like, we probably should have done this at the top. But, like, why, why did we own this? Is this a mom pick? I think we rented it. Or did we, did we... I mean, we have a hard copy VHS of it. Right. But I, I feel like it's... I I guess I want to ask mom. She's a Cruise fan, I think. Or at least was at the time, maybe more so. Or may, or I guess my question was, was this movie just such a, a massive event kind of thing that it's like everybody was kind of checking it out? Or did she have a memory of the series? And Possibly. so she was like... Oh, I'll go. I'll go check that out. That seems cool. Well, it's weird because oh, like this. I would want to definitely. We should ask mom we're, about well, about would, this one in particular. Be, mainly because we're in Japan in August of '94. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all of '95, '96 rolls around. May of '96. You know, we're there still, and I'm wondering how exactly because I think maybe we went back that s- November. I don't know. But I'm wondering where that came in the zeitgeist. I don't remember them going to see it in theaters. I just remember us having a VHS. Right. And it just being one of those movies. Right. I, I don't know why, though. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I'm curious. VHS investigation time. I, yeah, that's what I was going to say. If anything, I think it's something that like maybe mom rented at some point, liked, and then bought. And it was like, it's PG-13. The boys can watch this. And right. it's like, they're not going to pick up one. Like, is We got to settle this right now. Was he fucking Claire or not? I say he. There, I say he like, was. There's the one scene where he comes back to her, right after he's met Phelps again, and, and she, Phelps has told him like, and she's like, oh, takes his hand, mm-hmm. and it's like very intimate. But I just don't know, man. It's I mean, it's purposefully left vague, but then the implication. In the final train sequence, when, spoiler alert, you know, he 
basically outs Phelps with the glasses, uh, broadcasts everything, you know, saves the day, but then has to deal with the, the aftermath. But there's this moment where he could very clearly and easily kill Ethan, mm-hmm. but he chooses to shoot Claire, and it seems like it's out of no other motivation than... I'm pretty sure you fucked him while I was while I was gone faking my death. Right. And it's like, but didn't you want her to do that? Like, wasn't that part of the plan? I don't I don't know. I I feel like I, I was kind of like, is this your kink? Like, is this, is this something you guys like to do? I like, I I'm, I'm wondering because like there Emmanuel Hebert is so like the age gap. Maybe it's just visually the age gap. Like maybe Voight wasn't that much older than her. Maybe it was like 10 years and it's not that crazy. But I just, again, I don't even know if that registered as a child that these two are supposed to be married. Like I was just like, oh, there's a pretty lady. There's Tom Cruise. She clearly must be the girl he's supposed to get with by the end of this. None of that tension of like, this is my dead boss's wife. (laughs) None Mm -hmm. of that was in my head until this viewing, honestly. And you are, I mean, from the get-go, rightfully so. He, I mean, when she shows up, he's already had a vision of, like, Phelps as a ghost, essentially. Right. Coming in there. And then it actually turns out to be her. So he, I do like that element, too, of, like, getting inside his psyche a little bit and how, like, spinny. And, again, this is the most, like, out there you ever really see the Ethan Hunt character, the most out of control, the most scared um Okay, Sorry. apparently... You're looking up details? What's going on Apparently, here? in an interview with... Um, this is apparently with De Palma, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, <laughs> did Claire... The question is asked, did Claire and Ethan sleep together? And he said, yes. There's a love scene on the train after they recruit disabout agents Luther and Krieger. So I guess Krieger was disavowed too. I didn't realize that. De Palma says, well, but it wasn't the, essential. That's what they say in the movie yeah. that they're both disavowed. Yeah. But he says it wasn't essential, so they cut it out. So like that. And then the but quick, you're meant to take that, mm-hmm. yes, that they were. But the question deposed later is, why does Phelps shoot Claire and not Ethan? And it says, De Palma says, it's rage. It hits him that he has started something he has no control over. There's a struggle. You see very specifically that he has two bullets in that gun. All three struggle, and the gun goes off. That's it. The two bullets. Because it's like, you can't, that's a Derringer pistol. You can't, it's both at the same time. You're not going to pull one and pull the other. So I got to pick one of these people. Who do I have the, who do I have the better chance of like, you know, who's, who's better for me to take out now? Well, if I kill Claire because they have a connection, I'm assuming that's going to slow him down and I got time to get out of here. If I shoot Ethan, you right. know, she's still alive that can finger me because she helped me with this. Again, the the rage of it, I guess, is just like, but you left her in this scenario. Like, what did you, I, I don't know. Well, she's in on it the whole time. That's so, my, and that's, I guess my other thing is that's where I understand people going like, why? Like, this doesn't all hang together. Like, this was their escape plan, essentially, was mm-hmm. they were going to, sell this to max mm-hmm. the knock list and disappear this mm-hmm. was their exit strategy and they get into the whole thing because uh, again another brilliant scene that i did not understand as a child because i just i didn't have the movie brain for it i'm i was five watching this yeah like i had to be we had it on vhs as soon as it came out i was either five or six mm-hmm. 
the whole scene after like Phelps shows back up and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I thought you were dead. What the hell? Uh, and he's explaining and sit to down. you what happened to him. Yes. And Ethan is basically saying, oh, Kittredge is the mole out loud. But what we're seeing is that Ethan actually is piecing together. Oh, it was Jim. It was Jim the, the whole, whole time. time. Yeah. And I just. Because does he find the Bible before or afterwards? I thought he found the Bible before he goes to call Kittredge. I do think the whole, he does too. Yes. That puts it together because it's like if Jim is still alive, we got the Bible here and Claire's here. Maybe I need to get them involved. Maybe I need to get them to know where I'm going to be. So he does the fake out thing mm-hmm. to let him know he's in London. And as soon as he turns around, Phelps is there. Ah, okay. This is kind of piecing together. He runs with the idea of like Kittredge is that, okay, but we're seeing, no, this is actually what Phelps did the entire time. And I know it now. Again, as a child, not until this watch, I was on the same page with you. I thought, what is this? He's. I'm thinking Ethan believes that what Phelps is telling him is true, but we're seeing no, 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 no. Yes, Phelps is, that is this the, is what really happened. That's even the though, confusing part. But right. in retrospect, you're like, no, this is genius. This is him. This is the spycraft thing. This right. is the like not not showing all your cards element. That again, I'm saying I just want I want us to get a little bit more of this back in these like incredible just action spectaculars, which I love. I love this whole franchise. But I would I would like to maybe even just for an act yeah. to dial it back to like, you know, maybe some Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy sort of shit as opposed mm-hmm. to more broad. But uh yeah, so that again, all of this was just like I, I loved this movie as a kid for what I thought it was. I love it even more now for all the other things that it always was in the first place that, that I, I just realize. did yeah. not process. Um and again, it's so vastly different from from everything else that comes after it. The final train set piece, I mean, I, it's yeah. iconic. How did you... Okay, this is a great time to talk about the video game. How closely does the video game mirror the plot of the movie? And how the hell did they do the train sequence? Like, uh, do you remember what you play through in that segment? I remember getting the knock list. I remember the you whole kind of play the whole I know you play the whole opening yeah. set piece of like the job that goes wrong. Right. Um I'm sure there's the Langley heist in there. I watched somebody's playthrough of it recently. Right. Um like scrubbed through it. But I don't know if I saw whatever happens on the train or how they recreate that. But uh I do remember there's a lot of like actually using the face maker, right? Mm-hmm. Um there were weapons, but it was not a it's not a shooty game. As I remember, it was no, way more it was, mission based, it was, like truly objective based. Go to this point, do this thing to all add up to a cool heist. Um, I know there is one other Mission Impossible game that we'll get to when it happens chronologically. I think it's around three. But I just want to shout out. I'm like, look at like the Hitman franchise, the way that game is structured at this point. I haven't played one in a little while, but they're good. I'm saying the level that has built to of like, we're going to give you this giant sandbox to execute this scenario in hundreds of different ways, essentially Mm -hmm. to me, the structure and the game, like the gameplay is there for what I think should be an old school mission impossible movie, or even like an oceans 11 style thing where it's like, you're pulling off a heist by accomplishing 
different elements or you know different things in different locations but i think there's a way to like have that and then have it transition into these big like triple a action set pieces that you play through that are chase scenes or whatever um but i'm just like dude if we're if we're going out if there's no more of these i know there's probably it's the first time we've said the word on the podcast i'm sure it won't be the last i'm sure there's some weird scientology thing about like not letting your image be used in like different mediums or something because notably that n64 game of course looks nothing like him not that it would in that era but as a comparison point goldeneye is clearly at least like oh we have the license to these characters we're right. trying to make them look like jaws odd job pierce brosnan right whereas the mission impossible game is like this is ethan hunt dark-haired stone-jawed uh dude action man yeah Looks just like Gabe uh, Gabe Logan from uh, Siphon Filter. Same thing. I said I was going to wait to bring it up, but then you have Mission Impossible Operation Suma, mm-hmm. where Lu- where Ving Rhames is doing the voice of Luther. It looks like Luther, but you're playing as an Ethan who just kind of looks like every other action hero in any video game, essentially. Well, maybe he just never like he might have just and never like action. His, his... And that's what I'm saying. Action yeah. figures, same thing. I can't think of any like. Look me up a Tom Cruise action figure that has an actual likeness on it. I just I don't think that's something he does. So I don't think you'd I don't think we'd ever get one that is truly Ethan Hunt. But to that point, you could make a game that's just it's not even called Mission Impossible, it's IMF. And it's like you have a whole team and maybe you are building different people or upgrading their stats throughout it. I don't know. I would love I want a Mission Impossible game. Sorry. Yeah, no, you could. That's my big plea for this episode. Uh, any final thoughts? Have we hit all of our categories? We did our cruise career. There's a few. There's a few toys out there that got his likeness, but I just don't think it's a video. Maybe it's just a video game thing. I don't know. It's weird. Th- that's not a. That's not a face. You know what I'm saying? That's not. Yeah. That's not a facial capture. He's showing me a Top Gun toy. That's not. There's no way he licensed his. He may not. That's have. not a scan or anything. That looks nothing like him. Yeah, because they use the same one for like every. Well, about that. Better as Vincent, maybe? Oh, this is a cool figure. Yeah. Where did you find... There's a, there's Google a collateral Google. action figure? Yeah. It says Redman. I might be like a an Etsy-only thing. I don't know. Is just there a uh, Tom Cruise action figure? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sure they Can have... I, not th- I was trying to think of Jamie Foxx's character's name. And oh. What is it? In collateral? Oh, man. We did a whole episode. Max? Max, thank you. Is there a Max action figure I don't know. that comes with a cab and, you know, like his little photo collage of yeah. of his future? Island Limos. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Hmm. Anyways. Who is the... But yeah, if you want to buy me that $200 <laughs> Vincent from Collateral action figure uh, doll, uh, that would be cool. I guess this is another one from Toy Haven. That's probably the most accurate Tom Cruise one for a Mission Impossible I could see. But yeah, it could just be a thing with like that looks like something somebody sculpted. Though. Probably, yeah. These are probably that's probably why they're like yeah, that's like, a, like yeah, not that's a home yeah. home sculpt. Yeah. I am kind of surprised though, like the fact that there are not Mission Impossible. To that point, I had Mission Impossible action figures yeah. from the first movie because I remember I had Ethan in the firefighter suit from the Langley job. Right here. Can you show me the rest of that line? Um, 
these are the two. This is great visual content. Yeah, I'm sorry, course, people. We're going two, down. Yeah. We're no, going but down it's, nostalgia it, it's lane. a tie-in with. It's also a. Tie oh, I had both. Okay. Yeah. Hell with yeah. um, you know. Yeah, they're these kind of broad. They're like really wide leg dudes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it has to see. It has to be something that like they saw how the marketing and like the toys of like I don't remember James Bond toys obviously, but like there is a marketability to it because I mean you're talking to the two kids that had Waterworld toys. Oh I yeah, mean, I love this. So they give him. Yeah, I remember this mask too. Like, tell me what that mask is. Tell me what mask that is that he uses at any point in the Langley heist or the movie. Nothing at exactly. all. Exactly. But I, I remember I, that I firefighter action figure mask vividly. Disguise. Love yep. it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I just don't, I don't think you'll ever see his likeness on any of this stuff. Probably but. not. And I mean, to his point, what does it matter? You know? It does. To, well, it, it truly doesn't matter because we'll get to that as we move through this series. But right. Ethan Hunt is a vessel. Right. Ethan Hunt is not a traditional action hero Mm-mm. by any stretch of the imagination, which is what I absolutely love about him. And what they turn this franchise into, which is ultimately to me, it's the anti-Bond. It is, it is so much about like ingenuity and thinking on your feet, the team aspect. Mm-hmm. And it is all, I mean, there's a body count in these across this franchise. Well, yeah. But, very rarely at the hands of Ethan Hunt. He is almost well, never... he goes out of his way. He's almost never the shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. He kind of goes out of his way. And to that point, when they do have those moments, they hit that much harder in certain sequences, like in one of the most recent movies, which we'll get to, which I think is an astounding moment. But um, Because let's, let's face it, Ethan Hunt has no license to kill. That again, James Bond. That's, that's the first thing he gets out the gate. It's the it's the anti Bond where it's like, right. what's the fir- what's one of the first few things we say about James Bond? Well, he, he's an agent for MI six with the license to kill, and it's like beginning of every movie, he comes out and shows you that he could kill. Absolutely, yeah. And, and what is Ethan Hunt usually doing? I'm running after a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm running after this thing. I'm jumping yeah. onto this crazy thing yeah. to stop. Look this at these thing stunts, bro. Yeah. Uh, Which again. All his own stunts in this one. Well, yeah, and I think from from the get-go here, I mean, this is not in that mold at all. Again, this is way closer, performance-wise even, to like Redford in Three Days of the Condor. Yeah. That's the thing I kept thinking mm-hmm. of when I was watching this. I was like, this is way more in that mold. So it is very interesting to see when we get to MI2 a mere four years later, mm-hmm. what a difference a director and a few years can make because mm-hmm. we'll get to it. The most, the most 2000, the year 2000 movie ever made. Yes. I uh, wholeheartedly agree. Yes. Okay. To recap, Cruz, this is, he's, he's at a high point and he's about to, to hit, hit another high. Essentially. Mm-hmm. This movie he, is a, is he, a big success. Not with the critics. Well, audiences third highest grossing Eat movie of 1996 Cruz famously foregoes his 20 million dollar fee and reportedly recoups about 70 million for this joint he says fine take my 20 and if you're worried about 80 million dollars take my 20 off the table and I'll just take points off the off the box office bam 70 million dollars in his pocket and that to dial it all back is 
part of it. Let's let's be real. That's the real reason this whole franchise has endured because he has a stake in it. Right. Because this has always this been is the first thing producer. That this is his world, first producing credit ever. When the world is on fire around him, when his career is like, what do I do? Do people even like me anymore? This is always the like. You can always come home. You mm-hmm. can always come back to Mission Impossible because it's something you started and you have. Again, the way this melds around Tom Cruise, the actor, and where he's at at any given point in his life, and the way they shift Ethan Hunt as a character Mm -hmm. to be as malleable as they need him to be is one of the most fascinating things to chart. And things start to get very interesting right off the bat when we get to two. We're in an interesting Tom Cruise era. Uh, We'll talk about it. Stick around if you want to. We're also in a very very different action era i will argue as well oh there's a there's there's a shift has happened a shift has happened 100 uh to recap real quick that was cruz's career our number one teammate luther stickle yes i venture to guess he might take the slot in quite a few movies we'll see how this goes. it could be said that yes our adversary i liked voight but again I think Henry's Ernie steals the show. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's Kittredge's move yeah, because category it's, to lose. Ultimately, whether he finds out who did what or not, the IMF and them, they are coming for him. Yes. it's And it's not so much like a, and the, the toys with his adversary. He, you know, the... The meeting with the the gum and then which the gum does we forget the gum do, I love the gum come back coming back into play at the end red light green light and yes. just slaps it on the on the helicopter and just you know <sighs> you know that explosion Da-da! slash like yeah and of course the like oh wow is the propeller gonna oh, oh right, right just, I mean chin. that's just that's just good shit yeah that's, that's just good, good shit that's how you make a movie uh, another De Palma thing of course was apparently the ending of this was supposed to be way more low-key and like a, a dramatic scene or whatever and you would think that it's like oh the studio had the note of no we need something bigger but no it was De Palma who was like nah I need like a couple more mil because I want to do this whole train thing and the studio was like that's ridiculous and he's like but we need like the movie needs it. It needs like a big yeah. final thing. And what does everybody remember from this movie? They remember him hanging from the ceiling in Langley, and they remember that shot of him exploding, right? Like in the train tunnel or holding onto the train Staples. for dear life. Staples of the franchise, as like, far as I'm that's concerned. that's it. It's those two images, and it's mm-hmm. like he knew he needed it. He crushed it with the set piece. And again, it's not. It feels like maybe the least De Palma thing, but then when you think about what a He's a weird crowd pleaser. He really is. Mm-hmm. Like he knows how to give setup and pay off to an audience where you're just like, hell yeah. And that sequence does it. But the the chopper blade is just a, a chef's kiss mm-hmm. where you're like that close. Yep. It's good stuff. Uh, and of course we end with a nice little goodbye between him and Luther and the implication that uh now he is in the Jim Phelps position and receives a new mission. Right. Uh not the mission that we'll get to next time, but you know. What if here's a here's a thought. <laughs> okay. no 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 what if that second mission has something to do with Dead Reckoning? What Maybe. if what if the second mission that he get that he leave, would you prefer the cinema of the Pacific or whatever you, she had? does she say that you or no, no, she says uh, a different place of the uh, what does she say I can't remember um, the Caribbean I think yes. she says the Caribbean what if that mission because when we come back we don't have the same IMF director we've never really gone what if that tropical. Mission, 
Right. <laughs> I'm saying impossible. this second mission that he takes after be- the first mission in his Jim Phelps role, he succeeds and goes on vacation. But what if whatever happened on that mission is what's going on with Dead Reckoning? That would be a perfect tie-in. Well, don't you think? My qu- just Kittredge coming back into Dead Reckoning, I'm like, is he some sort of rogue dude who's now the villain? Or maybe he has to be the director again because, unfortunately, we'll get there. We're going to burn through a lot of directors burn, over yeah, the next that couple That is probably movies. the worst position to be in. It's like, <laughs> well, we need you to go run the IMF. Do I have to? Can hey, you give it to someone it's, else, please? It's a great position to be in if you're a legacy character actor who's just like, yeah, I'll take a paycheck for four or five scenes. Yeah, yeah pay me $10 million to be in your movie because... The, the list of IMF directors is stacked from yeah. this point forward. Uh, we'll get into it. Okay. Langley Heist, Luther, Kittredge. We hit everything. Yeah. And we talked about Cruise Career. Those are our three big categories. And the gadget, I mean, the pacemaker takes it in this yeah, point. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, a, as a kid, exactly. what a concept. Mm-hmm. You know, great stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we did. I think uh, our, we, we accepted this mission. Say, mission accomplished. Oi, Tom, it's been three years since you and Paul started trying to make movies together. When you're gonna get your shit together and get it going, you dickhead. Anyway, I reckon your mission ought to be to take some franchise from the 60s and make it relevant today. Good luck with all that, you bastard. Maybe if you get lucky, Holly will let you make one or two more. But if you get caught or something, die doing a stunt. The Church of Scientology will disavow you. You ever joined them? Oh, uh, yeah, this message will uh, self-destruct in about five seconds, you can't. Good luck.